the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Listen, this physical strengthening of us, it tells us a lot about the heart of God. That He's not only interested in your soul and your spiritual well-being, but he's also interested in every part of you, and that includes your physical strength and stamina. So be wise. Avail yourselves of the means that God has provided for you to be physically refreshed from your weariness. And don't, don't over-pamper yourself, but don't think that it's unimportant what you eat and how you get rest and how you get strength. If you don't have strength, you're not serving him. You're not serving anybody. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. The voice you just heard was that of Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He will be back in a moment to continue his series of lessons on the 23rd Psalm. I doubt if anyone ever called Leonardo da Vinci lazy. Painter, poet, architect, engineer, city planner, scientist, inventor, military genius, and philosopher, da Vinci was one of the most productive people who ever lived. Yet he said that we should get away from our work now and then because if we kept at it too long, our work would suffer. God made us, and he knows even better than we do, even better than Leonardo da Vinci knew, that sometimes we need to pause for some refreshment. And here in Psalm 23, we find David telling how his good shepherd sees to David's need for refreshment just as much as his other physical needs. Even though we're sinners completely undeserving of anything good from God, He still delights in treating us like honored guests. Here's Pastor Steve to tell us more. I want you to see just how gracious and how kind God's heart actually is towards us in this area of hospitality, especially in providing food for us and serving us. You must look at Luke chapter 12. This is so incredible, it it is beyond total comprehension. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus is talking about his return, and he's telling his followers that we we need to be ready for when he comes back, prepared for his return, his second coming. But what really is astounding is what Jesus says he's actually going to do for those servants of his who are waiting for him to return, and who were faithful in serving him during his absence, his absence being this present age. Look at Luke chapter 12. We break in at verse 35. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves 
whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Do you see what he's saying? Do we understand when Jesus says that this master upon returning home is going to, and I quote, gird himself to serve and and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Folks, he is referring to himself. He's the master who has returned. He's the one. This means that when Christ returns at his second coming and he establishes his kingdom on earth, Get this, he's going to serve us food. He's going to wait on us. Our Lord is going to serve us. I find that amazing. It is almost incomprehensible that the God who created the universe and who died on the cross for our sins would actually be our waiter in the kingdom and serve us food. I find that incredible. Now, unlike the imagery of Psalm 23, where David speaks of God as a shepherd honoring us as his guests in his home, in Luke 12, the picture is that of of slaves, of, of servants, welcoming their master home from being away. In this case, he's away at a wedding feast. He's been away traveling to someplace, and now he returns, and the master then comes home, he turns around, having been greeted by his servants, he turns around and starts serving them. Those who had served him, he starts serving them. Although these two images are different, they reflect exactly the the same thing about God's heart. It is incredibly kind towards us. You talk about humble. You talk about merciful and kindness and compassionate concerning this rather unusual picture of a master serving his slaves. Bible teacher Kent Hughes has painted what I think is a very vivid picture of what he imagines this precious scene might be like when Christ returns. Here's what he's written. What a lovely scene greeted the returning master. Warm light streamed from the windows, breathless, smiling, eager servants bearing shining lamps gathered at the door, and no doubt there was a choice nocturnal snack on the table. He writes, my revisionist mind imagines peanut butter cookies and milk. Welcome home, master. We're all so glad you're back. Here, give us your robe. Sit down. Let us wash your feet. You must be so tired. Then Kent Hughes continues, this was lovely indeed. But even better was what happened to the servants. Jesus went on, it'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and we'll come and wait on them. He writes, you see, the master was so moved by their faithfulness that instead of sitting down at the table, he dressed himself to wait on them made them recline around the table and serve them. What joy is portrayed in this night feast, this girded, bare-legged master setting dishes before his servants, refilling their cups, happy, even uproarious conversation floating from the well-lit house. Now, folks, I hope you can just get a picture of that. Our Lord is going to return and serve us. 
This is how Jesus said it will be with his followers when he returns. As our Lord, he's going to serve us, his servants, just like he did with his apostles in the upper room when he wrapped a towel around his waist and washed their feet. He's going to wait on us. He's going to serve us with his own scar-marked hands. What grace, what warmth, what, what humility, what love. But that is our Savior. And that's why this psalm is so encouraging. As we welcome our Lord home as his grateful servants with just outstretched loving arms, he'll stretch out his loving arms to serve us. Amazing. But we don't have to wait until Christ's second coming to experience this kindness that he's going to extend to us in serving us food. Because David says here in Psalm 23 that as our loving shepherd, every meal that we eat, the meal that you're going to eat after the service today, that's a table that he's prepared personally for you in the presence of your enemies. You're safe. You're secure. But food isn't the only physical Blessing our divine shepherd provides for us. Speaking of what else the Lord did for him as his gracious host, David goes on to say in the second part of verse 5, you have anointed my head with oil. Now, what does he mean by this? Well, in ancient Israel, oil had a number of purposes and a number of reasons for its use. Sometimes oil was used as medicine to clean out wounds As, for example, in the parable in the New Testament of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan, we're told, poured oil and wine into the wounds of this injured Jewish man who had been beaten up and left for dead. Oil was also used to anoint kings and priests and prophets. It was a sign and really a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but a sign, too, that they had been consecrated to God's service and that they were equipped by him for the task that the Lord called them to. But another very common use of oil in the ancient world was that it was used by the host of a home to refresh a tired and travel-weary guest. See, in David's day, it was the custom of a loving host to just pour some oil over the head of his guest. This was a way to freshen him up, especially if he had been traveling for a long time, and his skin had become cracked and burned by the harshness of the sun's rays and sands and all the elements. The oil actually functioned the way that we use skin lotions today to just sort of revitalize damaged and dry skin. In fact, if you'll recall, in Luke chapter 7, the New Testament, there's a story. Jesus spoke of this very custom when he silenced the criticism Uh, of a certain Pharisee who had invited him over for dinner. You remember this story? This Pharisee had invited him over for dinner. And while they were at dinner, there was a woman there who starts anointing our Lord. His feet, his head, she anoints, she washes his feet with her hair, having anointed them. And this host is disturbed. He's annoyed. Jesus tells the story about forgiveness and love. If you've been forgiven, you'll love him. Who's the one who loves him the most? The one who's been forgiven the most. And then he says to this man whose name was Simon, he says, Simon, I'm a guest in your home and you didn't anoint my head when I was here. 
when I came. You should have done that. What was the point? The point is that this woman loved Christ very much because she was a wicked woman who knew she was a wicked woman and she had been forgiven by our Lord. This Pharisee was also a wicked man. He just didn't know it. The self-righteous man, and he didn't have any love for, for the Lord. If he did, it was very little because he didn't know how, how wicked he really was and how much forgiveness he needed. But the point that I want you to see is that Jesus spoke of this very custom. You did not anoint me. He says specifically, you didn't anoint my head, even though I'm a guest in your home, meaning that that was common courtesy. That's what was done. Well, David tells us that the Lord is so concerned about our physical well-being that he does treat us as his honored guests by refreshing our bodies like a gracious host would refresh a tired traveler. So how do we apply this? Well, how do we apply this to our lives? I don't think the Lord is telling us that we need to return to the custom of pouring oil over each other's heads, lest you're thinking about that. Don't do it. That'd be pretty messy. It'd also ruin some clothes. I don't think that's the point here. In principle, what we learn here is that we can count on God to renew our strength when we feel weak, to refresh us when we are weary, and to revitalize us when we feel worn out. And he does all of this because he loves us and cares about us. Now, this doesn't mean, here's the balance. This doesn't mean that we don't grow old and tired. He's not saying that. We do. Nor is he saying that we're always going to be a picture of health and physical well-being. But it does mean that God will give you all the physical strength and stamina you need today to carry on your daily activities. And if you can't carry on those activities, he's going to make sure you cut back. You can't do it. But for whatever he's called you to do, he will give you the strength to do it. And he does this by giving, giving us exactly what our bodies require for us to have strength, to have our strength renewed. He gives us good food to eat. He gives us sleep at night to restore our energy. He gives us a day off each week from our jobs, which, by the way, that is the principle of the Sabbath. Don't get stuck on the day of the week because the Apostle Paul teaches in the New Testament that the important thing isn't the day of the week. It isn't making sure it's Saturday or, as some say, Sunday. No, the principle of the Sabbath is that we get a day off from our normal, normal labors so that we get re-strengthened, refreshed. And I might add more than just a, a weekly break. There are times when the Lord wants us to take an extended break from work. It's called a vacation. So that we can get some needed rest and relaxation. Now, why do I say that? I say that because Jesus said it. Jesus told his disciples that they needed a vacation. Now, he didn't use those words, but he did speak of that. I want you to see this. Mark chapter 6. Because there are some who are workaholics and they, they, don't, they wouldn't think of taking a vacation. How could you take a vacation? That's unspiritual. Well, our Lord didn't think it was unspiritual. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30, we read this. Now, context is this. The Lord has sent his, his apostles out. They have been involved in ministry, busy in ministry. They have been healing they have been preaching. They have been casting out demons. Verse 30, the apostles gathered together with Jesus. So now they're back from their very busy ministry. 
they gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. So they, they got together, they, they gave him a report on what had happened and all the things that had been going on because he wasn't there with them. Verse 31, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. And then we read, for there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. So having just come back from busy ministry, they were exhausted. And Jesus told his men that they needed a little break and some time off from their workload. And based on these words by Jesus, I think it says in the King James Version, come apart and rest a while. Someone has wisely put it this way. If you don't come apart and rest a while, you will just come apart. Don't be wound so tight. The Lord has provided breaks at times so we can get refreshed. Listen, this physical strengthening of us, it tells us a lot about the heart of God. That he's not only interested in your soul and your spiritual well-being, but he's also interested in every part of you, and that includes your physical strength and stamina. So be wise. Avail yourselves of the means that God has provided for you to be physically refreshed from your weariness. And don't, don't over-pamper yourself, but don't think that it's unimportant what you eat and how you get rest and how you get strength. If you don't have strength, you're not serving him. You're not serving anybody. Now, David has told us that the Lord, as our shepherd, he treats us like an honored guest in his home. He gives us physical food to eat. He refreshes our weary body. And in the last part of verse 5, David reiterates that God refreshes us by, by these words. He just says, my cup overflows. Once again, I take it that this is a reference to something that an attentive host would do for his travel-weary guests. He would continually fill his cup with water so that it was always filled to the brim. That's the thought here. Filled to the brim. Just like when you are in a restaurant, you have a good waitress, a good waiter, they're always checking to see if you have enough water. That's what our Lord does. And the reason he would do this is because his guest, he was thirsty, dehydrated from being out in the hot Mediterranean sun. He just needed water to revive him. So he made sure that he had a good supply all the time. This is essentially the same point that David made in telling us that the Lord gives him food and anoints his head with oil. His point being, folks, that God, as our gracious, kind shepherd, extends the most wonderful hospitality to us by taking care of our physical needs. Listen, what David wants us to know is that our God is amazingly kind and thoughtful. Nothing escapes his gaze and what we might need so that every need we have, whether it's a spiritual need like peace, restoration, or victory over fear, or a physical need for strength and refreshment, he's there to meet it. No wonder David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have no needs because he's meeting every one of them, even my physical needs. And what does he expect from us? Well, you know what? You look at this psalm, David doesn't mention anything in this psalm that God commands us to do. There's nothing here that he tells us to, to do in response. 
But think for a moment. Step back and think, what is Psalm 23? It's a worship song. All the Psalms were worship songs. This is David composing a psalm about his divine shepherd as a way of worshiping God in song. He sang this to the Lord. We don't know the tune. We know the words. So if the Lord is your shepherd, if you know him as your savior, the good shepherd who laid down his life for you, and there's only one appropriate response, and that is to worship him by praising him and thanking him for his goodness to you. But if Christ is not your shepherd, he can be. He can be. If you'll turn from your sin and you'll turn to him for salvation by trusting that his death on the cross was for your sins, you need to repent of being your own shepherd. That's the ultimate problem we have. We want to be our own shepherds, lead our own lives, be our own boss, running our own life. You have to turn from that. That's the, that's the heart of, of being a sinner. That's why Isaiah said, using the language of a sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And that's why the Lord died for sinners like us to return us to him. So if you've been running your own life, disregarding God's word, not caring what scripture says, not caring whether your life is an abomination to the Lord or not, then I call you to repent of your sin. Turn from it. And as you turn away from your sin, you turn to Christ. Give him your life by trusting him to save you from judgment. Why? Because he was already judged in the place of sinners like you. The Bible says, come, come to him. And I urge you to do that. Let's pray. Father, we are so very grateful. Lord, we're humbled to read that you are planning to serve us. Lord, that's, as I said, almost beyond comprehension. I know we read it in the word, but it's hard to imagine that you, are our Lord, would love us that much and would be so humble and so thoughtful as to serve us. Lord, I pray that you help each of us who know you to be much more aware of eating in your presence, of having a table prepared by you so that we are thankful, that we recognize that this is not food that we deserve. We don't have a right to it. It's just your kind provision. And we're, we're so grateful for that, Lord. We want to be more grateful. And so we pray that starting today, help us to think about that to express our thanks, to show our children, our grandchildren, that this is something that's special, that we recognize your good hands and your kindness in providing our food, and that you do refresh us. And I, I know, Lord, some are very weary physically, but I thank you that you anoint our, our heads. I thank you that you give us enough strength to do what you've called us to do. So I pray for those who are weary that they would be encouraged by this, I pray that you help us to avail ourselves of the means of grace whereby we are physically strengthened to eat good food, to rest, take breaks, to be refreshed, take some time off, to sleep as best we can. I pray to that. I pray for exercise too, that we'd all be aware that we have bodies that need to move. And so, Father, I pray that you would apply as only you can personally to each of 
the lives of your sheep. But I pray for those, Lord, who don't know you, who are outside of the fold. I pray that you'll bring them inside of the fold, that you'll point them to Christ, and that you'll call them with that effectual calling which they cannot resist, and that you'll open their hearts to the gospel. You said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. So, Lord, from the sheep that you've chosen, who don't yet know it, that they are your sheep, I pray that you'll open their hearts and bring them to yourself as little lambs who come to the divine shepherd. All of this, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To say God is good is a spectacular understatement. I hope you'll hear the voice of the Good Shepherd and come to him today if you haven't already. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Verse by Verse is an extension of Pastor Steve's teaching ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more about Verse by Verse, check out our website, versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Please remember to join us next time as Pastor Steve Kreloff moves on to verse 6 of Psalm 23, David's exuberant declaration of his confident expectation. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.